Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyrend, Book 4. We're a custom 5e D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they seek to change the world, and how the world responds in turn. I am your host and DM, Scott, and you can find me on Twitter at TheScottBlake. Hi, I'm Chris, and you can find me at EwokKiller on Twitter. I play Finnegan Finn Tempest, a tiefling trainer, which is a Skyrend original class supported by the Metalweave Games supplement Baby Beastry. Finn is the trainer of Cerulius, a blue guard drake. Hi, my name is Nate. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Nate. I play Darvin Grimm, the human monk, and I am currently hosting Cade, the demigod of the land in my brain. Hi, I'm Shannon. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Shannon. I play Aranus Gray, the god of rebellion, and I am a half-elf bard. You can also find the show on Twitter at Skyren Podcast, and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Head on over to find out about bonus chapters, early access, NPC creation, and more. Now then, thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. The city of Caravel lives under the oppressive tax rules of Lynn Jarvis, the head of the local Silver Purse Guild. His policies of taking without giving, on the premise of preparing for the worst, have won him no praise. So many play along simply out of fear of a worse fate. Lynn has dangerous soldiers under his command, and possibly worse yet unseen. His rise to power was quick. Perhaps too quick. The fear instilled in the locals is being chipped away by the likes of Darwin, Aranus, and Finnegan. They and their allies have secured support of local farmers, street children, and the sporting association. Perhaps it will be enough to force Lynn Jarvis out. Perhaps. But Lynn has not been idle. His forces patrol the streets and the ocean branches in search of the would-be uprising. It is only a matter of time before they succeed and bring punishment down in the form of violence and destruction. Within the Church of Rebellion, Florence has joined you to aid in the planning and to provide information back to Henrik, the head of the sporting association. She may be older than most in the church, but the years have not dulled her athletic prowess or her sharp wit. The stained court fighters and other athletes may be your strongest allies in the battle to come. And if Carmela Hodges, the priest of this church, is correct, then you will need all the help you can get to take down Lynn Jarvis. With the forces from the town awaiting a plan of attack, and Lynn Jarvis preparing forces to repel you, the ensuing encounter will only grow larger and more dangerous as time goes on. It's up to you to decide the how and when of your assault. But before we get into that... Our tamer Finnegan has made a new friend, Sunbeak. Chris, would you like to tell us about her and what she got from the Baby Bestiary by Andreas Walters and Kyle Cardi? Yes, so Finnegan, well, as a trainer for uh, Sunbeak, Sunbeak comes in as level a level one animal companion. And as such, she gets her kind of the supplements equivalent of an animal class. Um, her supplement equivalent of a race, and um, a bunch of really fun and fancy features. So, um, just a quick overview for anyone who's interested about the the behind-the-curtain stuff. She is what is known as a skirmisher, uh, which is a class that uh, kind of focuses on hit-and-run tactics, uh, which I thought made very good sense for her being a hawk. She is of the beast type because she's a beast. It's very much aligned with the type of creature they would be, right? So dragons would be a dragon type. Um, <gasps> the shock. I know. What a concept. And then she also gets her temperament, which we uh, is decided by a random roll, but we kind of fudged that a little and said if the random roll made something that we didn't like at all, we would change it, but... I rolled the first time and got something that wasn't going to work. And the second time I got callous, which is kind of perfect for what we've known about her so far. 
and she got a bunch of other like fun stuff. Uh, she obviously can fly, uh, which is a natural thing birds should be able to do. So we made some uh, <laughs> little swaps and changes there because the uh, the raw for it obviously is uh, or not obviously, but is direct towards ground based creatures because those tend to be the larger number of creatures. So we just swapped that. And yeah, she's got some fun things uh, as a uh, as a skirmisher. She has a, a feature called Nimble Escape, uh, which allows her to mm. disengage as a bonus action, which is very fun. And then I gave her a uh, natural camouflage, and her uh, terrain for that is the sky. So she's uh, if she's up there flying, it's harder for her prey to see her. And she has a dive attack, which is very fun. So if she dives down out of the sky. She does a little bit more damage if she's dropping from 20 feet or more. Okay, okay. Thank you, Chris. Out of curiosity, what was the first temperament that you rolled, oh, if I you remember? remember? I don't remember. I can look at the chart, and it'll probably it would probably uh, remind me. I'm looking at it. Oh, it was brave. And I was just like, yeah, it doesn't quite fit. Okay. Because um, she was coming off just so very salty, so I rolled a second time and got callous. I'm like, oh, that's so much very better the the uh, mm-hmm. the Sunbeak we know. So yeah, because Sunbeak had already been introduced, and because this is our game, and if we don't like a way that a you know temperament on a random table is rolled, then yeah, we can change it. It's not like we were doing that to min max or anything. We're no, just trying to suit characters. Me. I was say, believe me, because. If I was trying to min-max, I would have taken Brave because her con is so low. Um, mm-hmm. And it would have lowered the training DC modifier as well instead of increasing yes. it. Well, and, and you know, this is going to get really into the, the grind and, and crunchy bits, but uh, I just noticed the DC modifier and it actually evens out with the Beast modifier, which is minus two. So there's just not a modifier at all for her, which is fun. Fun, 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 fun. Mm-hmm. And... Because you mentioned that she has a dive attack, I would be remiss if I did not say how cool it would be to watch Darwin and Sunbeak dive in tandem on a creature. Oh, hey. oh my god, that would be amazing! Let's try and make that happen. That would be cool. Partner attacks, like team-up attacks, just mm, mm, hit me so good. I love and them. I am just noticing, <laughs> Scott, I think I may have missed a feature because she's supposed to have three as a beast and you I had, think I counted nimble escape as one I, mm, let me look what you sent me yes um, I'm sorry and this kind of slows us down for a second but I promise uh, oh keen senses is the other one that's keen the one. I'm like, I knew I had them all I was gonna I'd say I remember seeing three because I don't think nimble escape was on the list of uh, uh, low features, yeah. wild features okay yeah cool yeah so keen there senses, we go dive attack senses, which is and that's, I think, standard for the stat block in the book, too, right? It just, it, she should have it. So, um, it's, yeah. it's something that most beast creatures get in some way. Sometimes it's not both sight and smell, but yeah. She's got it for sight and sound, so. Oh, yeah, hearing, sight, and smell. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool. So, and, and again, like, cut that down however you want to. I don't know how much you want to give away, how much you want to keep, but I went off. I mean, just that last distraction where you're like, wait, I missed one. Uh, that's getting cut. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. The other, the other stuff is fine. It's not giving anything away and letting people know that we, you know, modify things to suit our game is fine. It's just one of the joys of being at a, any sort of D&D or other RPG table. Oh, this thing isn't working for us. Change it. Boom. Done. Boom it. Home brew it. All right. And we don't have to worry about any training rules yet because you haven't taken a rest yet. We might be doing that very soon, though. Thank you, Chris. It's wonderful to meet Sunbeak. Can't wait to see her in action. Yeah, she's going to be fun. Now then. Now then. The Rebellion Forces meeting has come to an end. What do folks want to do? Do you want to go out and lead this charge now? By night? Do you want to wait till morning? Is there more business that you need to take care of in terms of planning? What do you say, folks? Um, I don't think so, right? Like, we were thinking, I was thinking maybe of going back and 
trying to talk to some of the merchants again now that we have the support of a bunch of other groups, but I don't think that that's worth the waste of time that it would be, right? Like, I don't think, I don't think it's going to net us enough support to be worth it. So, I don't... Okay. Yeah. So, what is the plan for the how and the when of this assault? I think really as soon... I think as soon as we're all assembled, we should... We should make a move because we there's there's no time like the present and the longer we wait, the more likely that we're going to get hit, not on our terms. So So the farmers have arrived too, right? Are our forces are all collected or would this just be like us going? No, I was saying like as soon as the farmers arrive, we should just go. Got it. Okay. Because um, we don't want to wait. I heard that. Yeah. Well, Florence has to go back to Henrik to go tell all the athletes from the sporting association where to meet you. The farmers are arriving as we speak, but you still need to tell them all like where to meet and what to do. Also, as a reminder, the farmers could bring a few extra horses. If anybody wanted to be on horseback, they won't have horses for everybody, but if you know, any of the main crew wants a horse, uh, Finnegan does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, like you couldn't, you could go now, now, and just not have as much support as you wanted. But if you, like, an hour, you could have that support ready to go. Okay, yeah. So that would mean a nighttime assault. The sun's down. Torches in the town are lit. There are boats up in the ocean branch looking for you. There are guards questioning townsfolk in the streets. Getting a lot of uh, no help from the merchants and the street urchins. So, yay. A nighttime assault is good with folks? Well, it depends on how dark it's going to get. Because I have dark vision. <laughs> but I know that Sunbeak does not. And <laughs> I'm, um, well, I know Arnis doesn't. And Darwin doesn't. Well, I, have, I have a little bit of dark vision. You have more than I me. Didn't, I didn't lose all of it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be torchlight, which means some low light some pockets of light light if you're too far away like yeah it might be difficult to see your targets at nighttime because dark vision still has a range it's not just i see as well in the dark as i do during the day forever and ever and ever but that's that's your call also most of those farmers probably won't some of them will just like some of the fighters will or they'll have some other senses where being in the dark doesn't matter like if there's a plant fighter from the sporting association that comes up, they'll probably be able to see fine. But hey, darkness also means it's harder for them to see you. I mean, they'll be the guards at the gate with the torches and the weapons, so they will have their light sources, but yeah, darkness is an advantage and a disadvantage for both sides. All right, well, Finnegan's going to share that with an untrained force, a night attack is probably not the best decision, because in a night attack, it is likely to be... Uh, that your own men could end up fighting themselves because they're not trained to fight <laughs> and don't know how to discern themselves from their enemy. Mm, that's true. That's true. That's Unless the big... all the torches go out, I wouldn't be too worried about that. But yes, it is a concern. They're not trained fighters, combatants. That being said, a dawn march at the changing of the guard, probably not a bad idea. Ooh, I don't hate that. Mm-hmm. If folks are leaning towards a dawn march, does anyone want to go and do some recon, since you would have time for that? Or is mm-hmm. this just gathering your forces and marching at dawn? Yeah, I think I think recon's probably a good idea. Um, normally, I would 100% volunteer, but I probably shouldn't leave. <laughs> it's really simple. You've already got the street urchins. Send them out for your eyes and ears until dawn. Okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's true. Street urchins are on your all side. Mm-hmm. If you would like to use the street urchins to go and gather some intel, I think Mahogany would be the one to tell them what to go do, since she's our young child gang leader, and she can certainly have someone assist her in going and talking to the street urchins. This is mostly to add a second person for the bonus. So if you want to send a couple of your allies out to go tell the street urchins what to do, we can have a role for that to see how good the intel is that you get back. 
Let's do it. Who would like yeah. to roll? Um, well, first, sorry. <clears throat> I say mahogany because she's the one who interacted with the street kids before. Yeah. Who do you want to send with her to go pass along this task to give an extra bonus to the roll? Honestly? It was her and Morello before, I believe. And Tonk. They all went together. I thought Tonk went to the merchants. Oh, Tonk went to the merchants. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Ha ha ha. Yeah, sorry. It was just Mahogany and Morello who went to the to the kids before. Um, in which case, that's probably who we should send again because that's who they know. Okay. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to send anybody that that the kids were unfamiliar with, especially given the fact that it's probably dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 So. Okay. Who would like to roll? The one time I rolled for this last time, I failed. I was the only one that failed. Oh, I'll roll. I oh, just fuck. all right, Chris. Since Mahogany and Morello are going to go give these instructions, they each have a bonus of two. I'm sorry, they each have a bond of two, which gives a total bonus of plus four to this roll. Seventeen. Ooh. Okay. Not bad. While the kids are out doing this, is there anything you all want to do to prepare? Oh goodness. Um. I don't really have anything that I like have to know. You know what I want to do? The one thing that I never remember to do. Hmm. Uh, I want to. Oh, oh wait. Well, never mind. I got rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> was it some spell? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I was going to set us up a, a glyph of warding in front of the, the church and then realized that I never used that and so absolutely mm-hmm. uh, I got rid of it when I loved at one point I replaced it with something <laughs> so <laughs> never okay. mind I'm not going to do anything I'm going to okay. just do I, I think it's it's rest and be ready for the morning because it's going to come yeah. earlier than a normal morning would so that we're fully rested not that mm. we've used a lot but like better to be rested uh huh uh huh uh huh um, if we're going to rest, that means that Finnegan will have to roll something for both Cyril and Sunbeak. I, b- I believe this is a single roll for both of them, but, ah, yes, here we go. Creature taming. Your creature companions will require steady discipline instruction. Each time you take a short or long rest with one or more creature companions, you must engage them in training of some sort for at least an hour. On a success, they gain the benefit of training and may improve their disposition towards you, and you may gain the usual benefits of the rest as well. On a failure, the creature gains no benefit from the training. Their disposition towards you may worsen, and you gain no benefit from the rest. So this means, does Finnegan get a good night's sleep, or is Sunbeak keeping him awake all night? Uh Uh-oh. Fun. Luckily, you're not low on hit points or spell slots and things, but yeah... Real quick, I don't think this will trigger any sort of uh, exhaustion. Nah, I wouldn't give you a level of exhaustion for missing one night's sleep. If you were going to do something social, I probably would, but since you're about to go do an attack, we'll just limit this to spell slots and hit points this time. Because otherwise, why would you not just wait a day until you got a full night's rest? Uh, Mm -hmm. Other than the fact that someone's going to come kick down the church door. Alright. Sorry. Sorry for the little aside there. So if we're going to rest, one, that means Finnegan needs to do some creature taming. Mm-hmm. That gives everybody else a chance to sleep. As far as your allies go, the sporting association and the farmers, when and where are they meeting you? This won't need a role. This is just someone will go out and tell them, probably Sam and Carolina. Oh, that's a good question. I think Dawn was settled on before, but are they meeting you there at the contract house? Or are they meeting you here and are going to march through the streets or what? Does anyone have brain power as to what would be better? Because I would have them meet us here and then have us all go at the same time. But if you think that it's better that we all just kind of send Sam and Carolina out with a shit ton of gold <laughs> and you just pay for them all to just trickle in slowly as they arrive. And I'll go where? Here. The church. Yeah, I mean, it's the logical place. Okay. But if they're all trickling in, it, 
it uh, draws less attention that if we wait, collect them all outside and then march them to the church and then to the house. That's oh, a bad I wasn't, idea. I wasn't planning on doing that. I was just saying they should all meet us here. Yeah, my question was more, do you all march from the church to the contract house? Or do people approach the contract house from whichever direction that they come from? I think I think we all go together. Okay. okay. Coordinated march, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, Darwin, going to need you on chest drums. I can do that. Coordinated oh, marching. How do you march without a drummer? Yeah. If Darwin's the drummer, probably better. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, Finnegan doesn't know that, so he wouldn't say it. Finnegan's probably marched to a drum before. Oh, yeah. Mr. Military Man. Hmm, probably more rode to the drummer than marched. I meant like basic training. You still got to learn how to march yeah. before you can learn how to fly. Okay, cool. How much money are you sending out with Sam and Carolina? We just need to write this off now. Hmm. Oh, uh, well, check our coffers and see what we've got. <laughs> coffers. We have like 995-ish gold. Okay. Or 950-something. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So... How much does it cost for just a person walking to get into the city? And then how much does it cost for a cart? There's a silver for a person and a gold for a cart. Okay. I don't know how many people we're getting from these farms. If we sent them out with like a hundred gold, do you think that would cover it? Absolutely. Okay. I, I know that too much. But, um, but oh, okay. Yeah, let's, let's just do that. <laughs> Plus Stupid eight. amount of money, but... If things go well, you're going to be, if things go well, you're going to be busting into the contract house and busting into Lynn's vaults, presumably. Okay. Sam and Caroline will take this hundred gold. Sam's going to say, this might be a little bit too much, but, uh, you know, maybe we could use some of the extra to pay the guards off to not spread the word that so many folk are coming in. Sounds good to me. And... He and Carolina will leave. Sniffins scratch as well. Okay. Anything else, or should we have some fun training? We should definitely have some fun training. Okay. Training. Ah, yes, here we go. Oh, what is Sunbeak's disposition? That's what I was going to ask you. Um, uh, my <laughs> natural question, my natural thought would be indifferent because I've done nothing yet for her to distrust me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we set Cyril uh, as friendly because she's trained. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to set it at the bottom loyal because that just seemed like giving it to me, I think, was the, <laughs> the philosophy behind that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, indifferent sounds good. As the baby bestiary says here of indifferent, most animal companions begin with an indifferent disposition. They're likely to do what their master asks them to do just as frequently as they are to follow their own whims. They act within the truest interpretation of their origin and nature and are controlled by the dungeon master. Cool. So that would put Cyril's DC at 10, Sunbeak's at 15 as the base. And then we get into modifiers of any sort. Mm -hmm. So... Let's go through these modifiers real fast. Is there an additional pet here? Yes. Do we roll once for both of them, or do we roll individually for each? Something I had not looked at yet. Do you know? I think this is just one roll. Otherwise, why would they have the additional modifier? Like the additional pet modifier? Yeah, I think they're saying this is one roll. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Because I wouldn't want to do a bunch of rolls here. Okay, sorry. Modifiers. Additional pet, plus three per companion. So that bumps it up to... 18, if we're using Sunbeaks as the highest one here. Which would be the one you would use, yeah. Disagreeable regimen, disadvantage. Uh, we'll have to talk about which regimen. What's the regimen? It's a good question. I think, um, because I know Cyril's, uh, or Finnegan's like bread and butter training with Cyril has currently been like practice hunting using minor illusions. So like creating little illusionary creatures for her to chase after and like try and take down, right? Mm-hmm. So that's probably what I would do here because I know that I've had successes with it with my other creatures in the past. Okay. And I think that's something that Sunbeak as a hawk could get behind. All right. So not a disagreeable regiment. So we don't have to worry about that. Any snacks involved here? Um, I already gave her the mouse. You 
did. That was already did. promised outside of the yeah. training. I know, no, I know that. And so I'm just thinking like, um, I don't No, I, I always carry a little bit of something with me and it's probably getting to the point where I'm going to need to restock it before I leave. But, uh, yeah, I think I would be using what's left, uh, let's say, cause I wouldn't give myself a total number of rations for it. But I think at this point it's probably down to the dregs. Um, what's left of my um, venison turkey that is a favorite of cereals and why I keep it mm-hmm. like a, uh, you know, typical trainer snack. Good job. Here's a handful okay. of drink. Okay. Okay. So it's not a disliked snack. I'm not going to say that Sunbeak dislikes jerky. Might be a little rougher to get through, but it's still meat. Sunbeak will eat it. So we're fine there. Favorable environment. Um, if an animal companion has spent the week in an environment that is complementary to its lifestyle, the DC of the next training decreases by one. This applies for Sunbeak. They're, they're a city hawk for the most part. So this is a favorable environment. We'll lower that DC down to 17. Favorite snack? It is for cereal. So we'll lower it down again to 15. Low rations. That's only if the animal's dietary needs have not been met this week. Don't need to worry about that one. Quality time. Mm. If the companion's master has spent a considerable amount of quality time with the animal companion, the DC of the next training check is decreased by one. I mean, that's kind of yes with Cyril, no with Sunbeak. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's lower that by one again. Let's call that 14. Uh, I'm going to be kind this time since this is the first time you're doing it with them. Uh, a repeat regiment, uh, not for Sunbeak. This is new for them. This will be very interesting for them. So we'll ignore that. Temperament. Oh, temperament. Uh, so for... For Cyril... Yes, what I'm is sorry. I, was, I had some I had some beak up. Um, ah. for Cheryl, do, 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 where to go? Uh, it's a plus one mm. because of their timid temperament. Oh no! And it's a plus one because they're a dragon. Oh, that 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 dragon just mm-hmm. the dragon type gives them a plus one on the DC mm-hmm. automatically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for. Okay. For some, it's a plus two because of their callus, but a minus two because they're a beast. Okay. So those two wash out, but it is a plus two from Cyril, mm-hmm. which is going to put us at 16. Um, unfavorable environment. No. no. So we don't need to worry about that. So it's a DC of 16. <laughs> what do you roll? Or is this just a straight D20? Um, this is a choose your, ah, um, yes. choose your skill. Animal handling, athletics. Um, I'm um, going to be using Arcana because I'm using my spell casting to cast that little illusion to convince them and train them by like you know having them chase after it. Okay, okay, okay. Please roll. Okay, I need to roll well, 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 well. Oh, thank the Maker. That was an 18 on the die. Plus my okay. bonus is a 28. So okay, Yay. okay. The training is a success. Sunbeak is as tickled as they can be by this fake hunting. There's definitely a little bit of disappointment there when she catches it a couple of times and is just like, I can't eat this thing. Just chomping but, through air. <laughs> but it's fun. She gets what you're going for. Cyril, of course, knows what you're going for. You've done this training with her before. So yeah, it's a good training. Yay. The kids that are left... And the allies that are there get to watch these animals playing together, training together, without causing a mess, and without breaking Yay. anything, and without keeping anybody up all night. So good, good, good. <sighs> okay. With that out of the way, are we ready to move on out of this yeah, night? let's do it. Okay. When the morning comes, and before you head out, Rystos would like to have a word with the three of you. Darwin, Arnus, and Finnegan. He would like to have words with a great many number of people, but this is especially important for the three of you, since he knows that you're the three main driving factors behind this. Long rest means I should reroll divine charges, right? Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah, okay. we should do Indeed, that. Indeed, it should. Especially since I imagine you'll be using them here very soon. Very probably. Please reroll your divine charges. Hang on, I forgot to get out that die. I gotta find one. (laughs) Which one is it for you, D4? Yeah. It's the only thing I roll a D4 for. Mm -hmm. I had the 1D6 plus 1. 
Oh, who rolled a six? <laughs> Damn. Seven charges. I rolled a two. Three charges. Ooh. That's still nice. Better than less than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It gives you a few opportunities to make use of the land manipulation that Cade offers. And yes, Darwin, anytime you would like more training with Cade, or with Cade and with Rhystos at the same time, you only need to ask. Now may not be the time, but... Ah, uh, I don't know. It seems like a good stalling tactic. Wait a minute. Can we train first? <laughs> it is a good stalling tactic. I don't know if Lynn's side would necessarily be patient. Okay. When the morning comes and before you head out, Rhystos would like to have a word with the three of you. The three of you being the main driving force behind this assault. And probably the ones most capable of doing something about his concern. He flies up. He perches on the back of a pew. Hey, um, hmm. I know we haven't had much of a chance to go over all the rules in this little book here. He drums his fingers on the book hanging around his neck. Um, but it seems like at least one of them's going to be real important here. Real quick. You all remember the withering, right? Yeah. You all remember why that happened, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Finnegan, Darwin, Arnis. <laughs> we can't let Arnis die out there. Worst case scenario, someone kills Arnis, doesn't want to be a god. We get ourselves right back into that same problem we just had. I'm sure the conscription would love that. Plenty more work for them to do. Um, just want to advise against that, though, from my own particular point of view. Not a big deal to me. I'll be fine. But that means I have to go back. That would be less fine. I think Arnis staying alive was kind of instrumental to our plan anyway, so don't worry. We got you. <laughs> I mean, less worse outcome is, of course, someone kills Arnis and they become a god in the middle of a fight. And um, I don't know how well they might handle that. That uh, could be very dangerous to the immediate vicinity, let's just say. Um, so, yeah, I certainly can't stop someone from killing Arnis. Uh, I'm rather small, not particularly skilled in that area. But one of you might be able to do something about that. If it's not something you're all worried about, Good, but bad. Be worried about it, please. It's not that I'm not worried about it. It's that, never mind. We're worried about it anyway. That's good to hear, Darvin. Thank you. Like, always constantly worried about it. Not for, not for the reason you're saying, but, like, you know. You have other attachments to Arnis that I lack. I got you. I wouldn't word it like that. Come on. Gotta be stoic about these things. <laughs> <laughs> Only Darvin. <laughs> now, if you don't mind, I'm going to go tell the rest of your allies to, I don't know, protect Arnis if needs be. Unless anybody wants to prevent him from doing that. Uh, <laughs> not going to no. argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> well, good. Glad we're on that same page. Arnis, that's a lesson we could certainly have at a later date, but the short answer of it... <laughs> He was going to say Cliff's notes, but those don't exist here. Um, <laughs> the short of it is, don't get yourself killed. You got a lot of children now. Don't let them hurt you. Okay, good. I'm going to go tell the rest. Good luck. Maybe don't die. I'll be watching. I don't know if I'll necessarily be interfering with anything. Okay, excellent. And Rystos will fly off and touch base with all of your allies here in the church. Informing them, like, hey, you know, God, don't let God die. Bad things happen when gods die. And he'll be informing the farmers and the athletes who show up as well. Meanwhile, right now out in the town, there's a lot of children about to start some trash fires. Yeah. So, as Rystos goes about telling the rest of your allies to be protective of Arnis, that Arnis's death would be capital B bad. You get word back 
from Mahogany and Morello regarding the intel that the street children were able to provide. The two of them approach. She says, well, I don't know everything that y'all did inside there, but you either pissed them off or scared them or something. There's a lot of guards already there. Doesn't look like they're going anywhere. And they've also got a few of these like big metal box things. Big as me. Come together at the top. I don't know what's inside them. Kids don't know what's inside them. They haven't seen those out here before. We don't know. But I mean, if you were hoping to catch them by surprise, it looks like they've been preparing. The gates into the contract house are closed, obviously. And a few of those turrets, a few of those ballista from the walls are pointed inwards near the front of the contract house. Could get messy out there. Any questions for Mahogany or Morello? No, I don't think so. Does anyone else have questions? No. No. Okay. All right. We're going to go make sure that some of these fires get lit. Maybe pull some heat off, y'all. Hopefully get Brodus and Curdy out of your hair before you actually get to the contract house. Good luck. And if there's nothing else for Mahogany and Marillo, they will take off. Mm, Nothing else. Mm -hmm. And they take off. Before you march out, meet with your forces. Is there anybody you want to tell to stay behind? The only one who is already preparing himself to not go is Seth. Right. Seth Ordon has no interest in going to this fight outside of as an observer. I'm, I'm Quick conflicted. Rundown. I'm Sam, conflicted. Sam, Carolina. No, I've, oh, sorry. I've, got, I've got the list up. I don't, I don't know who's got the list up. I, I, I'm, I'm conflicted here. And the reason I'm, I'm pausing is because uh, my instinct would be to tell like I know that if I if I told Parlin to stay, they would, but I also feel like they might be a little bit disappointed. This is war, honey. <laughs> Feelings are the least of the things that are going to get hurt true. today. I, yeah, I then I want to talk. Have Finnegan do it. He'll do it. No, 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 no. That that's not it. I want to then I want to talk to I want to talk to Parlin. Okay. Is anybody else? Um, Darvin or Finnegan, is there anybody else on your party list that you would say, like, hey, don't come? No. Okay. Just want to make sure we're getting this all out at once. Because I don't want to be like, and then, you know, Seth runs up and gets stabbed in the face. That's exactly <laughs> what would happen. to at least stay back in the back. I don't, I, I, I won't be able to handle if Tonk dies today. <laughs> he's, a, he, he's a bard in training. He's, he's more of a support side. Tonk has no aspirations of being frontline, but he will be there doing a little bit of bardic magic, if he can. But if there's no one else, if it's just Parlin that the three of you are worried about, sure. What do you want to say to Parlin? Um, Parlin comes out, cat ears on, tail on. (laughs) Ready to go, Arnis. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Way to make this so much harder. Um, Parlin, I hope you know that I that I so appreciate your, your enthusiasm for our cause. I, okay. There's, there's no delicate way to say this. I was going to try. Um, and I, (laughs) I am completely failing it. I'm concerned about your safety out there. And I would never be able to live with myself. If you got hurt doing something I dragged you into. Would you not protect me? (laughs) (laughs) I I will do my best, but we're talking about hundreds of people that also need protecting. And fighting a battle, it is very easy to get separated from people you mean to stay next to. Um, and to tell you the truth, because we're taking a bunch of the people from the church with us, it would make me feel better if I knew that the church was in good hands while we were gone. <laughs> All right, Arnis. This sounds like persuasion, unless there's a different skill you would like to use here. No. Okay, roll persuasion. 26. Okay. Parlin says, so it'll just be me watching the church then. It's a great honor, Arnis. I'll pray for your safety and success. 
Isn't that a little cyclical? To create it, <laughs> make the gods succeed. I was just thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna. Oh dear, Arnus! Please protect Arnus. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna try to arrange my face as Arnus is wont to do, and just say thank you. <laughs> okay. I try not to think too hard about him praying to me to protect me. <laughs> Them. Them. Dang it. I got it right once. I'm literally staring at... Why can't I get that right? I don't know. Why do I suck? I don't know. But I do. Alright. In which case, Parlin will stay behind. Happily so. Hey. Are we ready to do this? <sighs> no one else we need to tell to stay behind? No other last minute prep work? Mm. I don't think so. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As you exit the church, you meet up with the forces that you have gathered throughout the city and from outside of it. There are members of the sporting association, all athletic and skilled in their own right. Some of them carry bats, javelins, shot puts, discus, hammers. Some of them carry weapons, athletes of the stained court. These tend to be more blunt, but some of them certainly are bringing sharpened weapons to this. There are swords, there are axes. Can I make a suggestion? Absolutely you can. If there's some bit of athletic equipment you want to see as a weapon here, just say so. I'm happy to see it. Well, I mean, they fight in a caged arena. I totally think there should be some, like, I would love that there, if there was, like, a net and trident fighter. Like, that's always been my favorite in, like, gladiator movies. Oh, absolutely, we can do that. Boom. There's a plant fighter who has a net and a trident. They're very maneuverable, thanks to their plant-like nature. But they also wear armor. Little bits of plating here and there. It's not a full body set, but it's just attached. They've kind of grown around it in places to help hold it on. There are some just like boxers out there. and Their hands are taped. Their shins and ankles are taped. They're ready to go. I'm imagining more like a... Like a Sagat type fighter rather than a like a Muay Thai fighter. Yeah. Yeah. To bring it to Street Fighter 2 terms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you've got the farmers. Shovels, spades, pitchforks, hoes. There are some horses. The horses all have saddles. None of them have armor of any kind. Some of these farmers have crude spears, clubs, swords. Nothing in the best of condition, just Something that was probably passed down through their family as a way to protect the farm. And because these are farmers, a few of them have brought farm dogs. These will mostly be staying behind, but, or sorry, the farm dogs will mostly be staying in the back. But they've got like little, uh, they either have like things attached to their collar or little saddlebags that they're wearing. Typically just food or medicine, but some of it could be things like, I don't know. Caltrops, ammo for a sling, things like that. And they are ready to move. And as you march through the city, people are taking note. The merchants definitely see you all moving. Some of them will give you a slight nod before turning away. Some of them will just close their doors and shutters in preparation of what could be a terrible event about to happen. Mostly, they don't want to look as if they are giving support, in case things go bad. As you turn onto the main path, up towards the contract house, there are a pair of older guards there who see you. And then someone down a side street yells, Fire! And then someone down a different side street yells, Fire over here! And they have to run, and they have to go see what's caught fire. They have to make sure it's not something terribly tragic and about to burn down the whole city as your street children get to their task of providing a distraction, giving you an open path now to the front of the contract house. At the front of the contract house, you do see those large metal boxes that Mahogany and Morello told you about. They're still closed, giving no clue as to what may be inside. There are guards lined up at the front, including one that you recognize, Ogtrop, the lizard folk that you fought before, bandaged and bruised, did not receive the best care after the previous day's engagement. Looks none too happy to see you approaching. 
behind him, behind the other guards that are here. There are numerous, too many to name, too many to detail. They have swords, they have warhammers, they have maces, they have bows and arrows. But behind them is the Goliath guard, Carmen, who was just brutal in the last fight that you had. And he has been healed differently. There are weird, dark, and sparkly scars on his body from the fight. And he seems to have chains wrapped around his arms, just hanging loose like whips attached to him. You can't... uh, It is not obvious what was done to him to heal him, but he looks in much better condition than Ogtrop does and looks very, very ready for a fight. As you approach, Ogtrop will walk with somewhat of a limp forward as if to be a spokesman for their side. What would you like to do? Um, am I near Florence? If you want to be. Okay. Florence has javelins with her. The, um, no, the first thing I want to tell her is, <laughs> is, uh, before we even get going, I'm concerned about the ballista. You say they're on the walls of the city, right? But they're pointed in. Yeah. There's a few of them. I, okay. I just wanted to make sure that I heard that right. So, um, what I want to tell her is find some people that you trust to take out the ballistas and as soon as stuff goes down here, have them break off and go do it. All right. Yeah. We got some folks good at scaling walls. No problem. Thank you. Cause we're sitting ducks with those. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So he steps up. I have a little mm-hmm. pss, 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 with Florence. Yeah. And she kind of cuts off to the side a little bit to go tap in other athletes. Be like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. So our trop, I would drop a step forward as if to be the spokesman for their side. If you would like to meet him in discussion before anything pops off, that would be fine. That seems to be what he expects. That is, that is why he is stepping forward. Okay. Have one final negotiation before anything happens. Yeah. I'll step up, chat with him. Darvin, Finnegan, would you like to join? Yeah. Finnegan will follow with, uh, Cyril at his heel, and I think Sunbeak is perched up somewhere where she can watch everything. Okay. And yeah. I've asked Sunbeak to do that. I realize I, I don't fully control Sunbeak right now. Right, but if it's something just, hey, watch from afar, get ready, that's fine. It's not like Sunbeak is out there sabotaging Ballista instead of oh, yeah. Florence and just, the Athletic Forces. I, I want to get used to to to, mm-hmm. to expressing correctly that I still kind of command Cyril, or I can kind of control Cyril and command Sunbeak. I don't have full control over both of them yet. Mm -hmm. Darvin, you going up too? Yes. Cool. I was hoping so, but if this was a time to run. (laughs) The thought had occurred to me. (laughs) Cyril is also totally... God, God, I just keep poor timing tonight. (laughs) It wasn't important either. <laughs> this is going well. <laughs> You're all both being far too polite to each other. No, no, you go. No, 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 you go. Oh, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say either. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> okay. What I was going to say was Cyril is very much not in the harness. <sighs> oh, yes. Good. And I figured as much. As the three of you, plus Cyril. Advance to meet Ogtrop. He steps forward with the limp, and he is pulling an item out of a pouch, not in a threatening way whatsoever. And he greets you. <sighs> Hello again. Can't say I'm thrilled to see you all, but it is what it is. I'm just doing my job. I'm here to give you. Linjaris's final offer, so to speak, if you would hear it. I sure. This is starting well. Arnis isn't even using full sentences. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so mad at the guard who is clearly still in recovery and is a reluctant negotiator, let's say. Eh, a reluctant messenger. Because the item that he has pulled out of his pouch is a mouth of the magistrate. Mm. As you all would know, K 
carries a message in it, which he will play. When he says he is here to deliver Lin's final offer, it is literally Lin's final offer. You will hear it in his own voice. Ogdrop slides a claw along the surface of this mouth of the magistrate, and there's a slight little glow, and Lin Jarvis's voice emanates from it. Forces of the Rebellion, your interference with the livelihood of Caravel's good citizens does not need to bring bloodshed. I will offer you all a chance to maintain peace. To the Church of Rebellion, I will allow your priest into our vaults to recover whatever tithe you deem fit, provided you officially recognize the Silver Purse as the rightful rulers of this city in your doctrines. To any of the citizens allied with the amateur god, if you turn away now, I will personally waive all of your taxes for the next year. To the god of rebellion and coterie, pledge peace in this city and we will let you leave undisturbed. And to those who refuse my kindness, your lives are a small tax to ensure stability for the greater good. And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and pick out a level that's right for you. Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 city council level, thank you, Shannon DeMello. At the $10 mayor level, thank you, Christopher DeMello. At the $15 governor level, thank you, Paul Calicott, Phoenix Bryan, and Sierra Jones. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrendpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrendpodcast.com. As always, thanks to Daryl Barnes for creating our theme music. You can find them on Twitter at Daryl Barnes underscore. We also want to thank the talented at Gabby underscore Desu on Twitter for our fantastic podcast art. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Seasons of Skyrend. Are you looking for a D&D podcast with a dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls.